We've got our first guest, Marco Coleman, hanging on the line, and we're going to get to him right on the other side of this real quick station break. Folks, I want to introduce you to our new friends over at Canopy and their line of CBD products. I used to wake up several times during the night, which made it hard to get out of bed in the morning and left me really feeling less than myself all day. But I can tell you from personal experience, my sleep has dramatically improved since I started using Canopy Nighttime Blend. Now I sleep straight through the night and wake up refreshed every morning. If sleep isn't your issue, they have a variety of products that can help you out. If you struggle with muscle aches after a workout or a day out on the golf course, if you have first tee jitters or your knees lock up in your backswing, check out TryCanopy.com. That's T-R-Y-K-N-I-B-I.com and look at their selection of tinctures, creams, and gummies that can give you the edge after you exercise or while you're out on the golf course. And really, just make all of your days better. Their hemp is 100% grown in the U.S. and you know we love that. And when you choose Canopy, you are choosing prized harvest, expert extractions, and precision manufacturing with zero artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives. So if you need help sleeping through the night like me, relief from muscle aches, or the pressure of a busy day, give Canopy a try. Again, that's trycanopy, T-R-Y-K-N-I-B-I dot com. And if you use coupon code TNT, you're going to get 20% off your first order. Again, trycanopy.com. You're going to be glad you did. This is Reggie Kelly, former Cincinnati Bengals and Atlanta Falcons tight end, and you're listening to TNT, Thursday Night Tailgate. Brace yourself for the explosion. All right, now back in making his seventh appearance with us is Marco Coleman. Let me remind you about Marco's background. He's from Dayton, Ohio, and grew up as a Steelers fan, which is one of the many things that I love about Marco. Played his college ball at Georgia Tech, where he was named a first-team All-American in 1990 and 91 and was a Buckus Award finalist in 91 as well. He helped the Yellow Jackets to a share of the national championship in 1990 as a sophomore. He was elected to the Georgia Tech Hall of Fame back in 2001. He was a first-round draft pick, the 12th overall selection by the Miami Dolphins in 1992, and played in the league from 92 to 2005 with the Dolphins, Chargers, Redskins, Jaguars, Eagles, and Broncos. In 92, he was named the NFL Rookie of the Year by Sports Illustrated and Defensive Rookie of the Year by Football News. He was selected for the Pro Bowl in 2000 when he was amongst the league leaders in sacks with 12. Over the course of his NFL career, he had 610 tackles, 65 and a half sacks, forced 18 fumbles, recovered five, had one interception, and scored one touchdown. He's now back at Georgia Tech coaching the defensive ends and outside linebackers, and we're excited to have him back with us again tonight here on Thursday Night Tailgate. Hey, Marco, Chris, and Bob, thanks for coming back on Welcome the show. Back. What's going on, gentlemen? How you guys doing? Well, we're fantastic. Great, Marco, how are you, my friend? Happy New Year. Hey, man. Happy New Year to you, too, Chris. No doubt, man. How you doing there, Bob? You good? Good, doing great. Thank you, Marco. Yeah, so, man. Marco, like I say, now you're back at Tech Coaching, uh, and you've been back for a couple of years since 2019. What was it like going back to be a coach at your alma mater? I'll tell you, man, it's been been great, you know, having the opportunity to come in and have some influence on young men that are uh, embarking on the same journey in which I had, you know, coming into Georgia Tech and pursuing an education and playing some football in Atlanta. It's been a joy, man. You know, it's been some tough football seasons to fight through since we've been there. Um, but, you know, still through all of it, man, it's about those young men I have the opportunity to be involved with, man. And that's been awesome. Marco, I saw 
the video from back in October when you and a few of your teammates from that 1990 national championship team got to spend some time on a video call with uh, the guy that was your head coach, Bobby Ross. You got to reminisce a bit about the 90 championship year. What were some of your favorite memories that you uh, got to reminisce about with Coach Ross? Oh, man, we, we got a real, you know, at, during that, that, uh, that conversation, you had myself, you had, um, our kicker, Scott Sisson, uh, quarterback, John Jones, and, um, uh, Ken Swilling was a defensive back. And one particular deal we were talking about is the, uh, what we called, um, uh, what did he call it? It was basically the punishment you had when you had, you know, when you missed something, missed class or whatever the case, man, those runs, man, we all had that opportunity. Coach Ross, they had some pretty strenuous uh, set of regiment for you, man, at about like four in the morning when you didn't oh, do my. what you were supposed to do. <laughs> and so we discussed that, man. That's probably one of the biggest memories that stood out for everybody. It only took one time. You didn't do nothing wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so, Marco, talk about Coach Ross. What did you learn from him that helped you not only as a player but now as a coach? I tell you, man, um, discipline. Uh, attention to detail, consistency, um, you know, toughness. Coach Ross, you know, wasn't a, he's not a big man, little small guy, man. So I tell you, so we would, you know, during the summers, <clears throat> pretty much the whole time I was in school, uh, every year, uh, during the summer, we did our tour days, you know, guys would have class that would have summer school, summer school still going on. We always started camp and guys had classes at eight in the morning. So for those two weeks of um of training camp that we had, we would be on the field at six AM. I'm not getting ready to I mean, we were actually practicing at five thirty, six o'clock in the morning so guys could get to class. And one of the things I I remember vividly, you know, every day or then every other day, was as I'm getting up, they didn't, you know, the coach would come bang on, you know, this is back before you had cell phones and shit, you know what I mean? So you had to make sure you, I'm sorry to cuss, <laughs> you had to make sure, <laughs> you know, you had your alarm clocks and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, you definitely can mess something up that way with young people. So the coaches would come by and bang on your doors to wake you up in the morning. And so, man, we get up and you're walking over. We would, it would be so early. We wouldn't get breakfast. We would get a snack before we go out to, you know, some danishes, you know, donuts or whatever the case, something like, and then breakfast was actually after practice. And so every almost every other morning, you would see Coach Ross jogging in as though he was finishing a run. And this is at, you know, five in the morning, four thirty in the morning. And he was very consistent with it, man, and kept himself in great shape, great family man. I mean, everything about him, you know, just being a man as a young man, watching him and how he worked, you know, it was it influenced me not just in football, but just as a man. Bob, questions for Marco? Hey, Marco, it's great to speak with you again. And I, I always like to, uh, to go back to your rookie year when, uh, you came into the league with the Dolphins. We've talked about it before and, uh, just remind our listeners, uh, what it was like, you know, being number one, being a first round draft pick. And then who did you speak to from the Dolphins as soon as it happened? Uh, Marco, was it a Don Shula? Was it Oliver Dotty? How did that all come about? You know, I got drafted. It was, it was interesting. You know, I was considered a bubble guy. <laughs> so, uh, ESPN was actually at the site where I was having my family together for a draft day. And I mean, I don't know what they were, 
You know, I'm, I don't think they're expecting me to actually be picked in the first round. You know, just at some point. That's what they call me book. And so it is 12 pick. I got a call, and um, it was from Coach Shula. You know, just you know, asked me, hey man, congratulations, you're a dolphin. It was it was a wonderful deal, surreal. And then the next thing you know, I pop up on ESPN, and it was a it was a pretty exciting moment for you know for everyone that was involved. And then getting in and coming to Miami Dolphin and having Joe Green as my first coach, man, it was you know I, it took me a minute to just get snap out of the the awe of sitting in the same room with Green. <laughs> so, um, but that that process, man, was phenomenal. And when you get there, Mark, you have guys like Marino and. Duper and Clayton and Keith Jackson and uh, it, on the offensive side, you know these are legends. And uh, on the defensive side, you know it was kind of a young crew. Yeah, you know guys like Brian Cox and yourself and and uh, some of these guys were were pretty young guys. Uh, is there anybody on that defensive side that kind of was able to take you under the wing, wing and uh, enhance your rookie year into the NFL? I'll tell you, man, you know, we had, uh, John Offerdahl was still on the team. Yes. Uh, yeah, John, you know, was kind of in and out, you know, that, that season with, you know, with injuries and things of that nature. And there also was, uh, Clifford, uh, Cliff, uh, shoot, some, is his name Cliff Odom was also a linebacker. Um, so then, uh, you had Lewis Oliver, uh, Jarvis Williams. Uh, these guys were, you know, still around in their, you know, sixth, seventh year. Eight years in the league, you know, along with Offerdahl, he had been there for a while. So those guys set the standard for us. You know, they had been in the league for a while, um, and understood how to be pros, how to prepare. So once you, as a rookie, that was one thing back then. It wasn't hazing, but you had to prove yourself. And so as a rookie, once you were able to show that you can contribute to the team, then you were embraced by the rookies. So I was fortunate enough to do some things early in training camp and get accepted uh, into that real men's fraternity that was the Miami Dolphins back then. And like I said, you know, guys like, like I said, Lewis Oliver, Jarvis Williams, um, Clifford Odom, um, Alfred All, Jeff Cross. Uh, we have some pretty stout guys, man, that had some really good careers in the NFL. Marco, were you surprised that the Dolphins fired their head coach, Brian Flores, especially with them winning eight of their last nine games, including upsetting the Patriots that last week of the season, did that that surprise you at all? Yeah, in a, in a sense it did, you know, as far as the, the way that they ended. I mean, um, you know, I guess you have to kind of look at everything in a full total, total uh, aspect and, you know, not knowing what the true expectations were between the management of the Dolphins and and the coach, you know. Not, you know, it's kind of difficult to say it, it was truly a surprise, not knowing all the information. Um, but he, you know, I thought he did do a pretty decent job. It seemed like the players were, um, following his lead, especially, you know, you know, when you're losing games, it makes it really tough, especially professionally, uh, to maintain some motivation. You know, you find that with guys and for those, those coaches to keep those guys going and finish as strong as they did. That says a lot about that coaching staff, you know, and, and they got momentum going into the next season. I think they definitely took a step backwards as an organization. Now you got to start all over again. Um, so I think, you know, in that, in that regard, now nah, that makes me surprised, <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. very interesting, you know, that, that dynamic of what's going on there. 
And Marco, you've coached at both levels. You've coached at the college level. You've coached at the at the pro level. Um, and we've seen two of the most successful college coaches, perhaps in college football history, and Nick Saban and Urban Meyer, not be able to make the transition going from the college level to the NFL level. What makes that so hard to do? Uh, you know, I, I don't know, man. I think you have to, in a sense, let go of some of the things you did in college. You know, I'm not sure they still try to hold us. I didn't have the experience of working with either one of those guys, so it's kind of hard to tell. Um, but I can speak to, you know, Coach Ross that I had in college. Uh, Coach Ross made the transition pretty well. You know, he was able to come in and um, take a team to a Super Bowl. You know, kind of similar type of season to what you had in um, Miami where, you know, I think his team that went to the Super Bowl, they started off 0-4, and and then they ended up in the Super Bowl. You know, so um, I think it's more individually kind of coaching their methods and how they go about doing things, man. You know, you have to, um, you know, it's it's a men's game. You know, although you watch the college and especially being on both sides of it, it's a different conversation. You got to handle the guys differently. Um, And sometimes that adjustment, you know, for some people, they're just not able to make it, I guess, you know, in that realm in those guys. So um, it's definitely different from the pros in the NFL. Definitely different. Well, I don't know so much no more with all the freaking NIL and transfer portals like free agency (laughs) in college football now. Yeah, what do you make of that? I was going to ask you that next. What do you make of, you know, players now having the opportunity of, hey, look, if the team's not doing well, if I'm not getting enough playing time or what have you, now I can transfer around to to another program that might give me a better opportunity to win a national championship or at least be a starter. Does that seem really odd to you? It does. You know, I mean, you figure as, you know, I think, Chris, Bob, you guys got children? Yes, I do. I have three. Yeah, so you- so you figure the, the different traits you're trying to, you know, teach your children as far as persevering, working hard, you know, fighting through adversity, um, just kind of throws a little bit of a damper on that. You know, it's really easy access for a young man to just, you know, not fight through a situation and say, hey, you know, let me fight through it and see how it comes out at the end. I'll just go ahead and just leave, you know. So in that regard, man, I think it's a little hampering some of the young men. In that process, I would say oh, some of them are really in situations they probably probably good for them. But the whole thing, you know, it, it's more people that are kind of getting damaged from it than than it's working out for. The transfer portal, I think I saw a stat, you know, I'm not completely accurate, but close to 80% of the young men that enter that transfer portal don't find a place to play. And so are you really helping, you know what I mean, in that regard? And then, too, with the transfer portal, so many of the colleges are, you know, taking in these transfers, which now is limiting scholarships for high school players. And so, then again, you get a, a group of high school players that don't have an opportunity now to go play and be developed and, and have those opportunities. So, I haven't seen too many advantages of it myself personally. You know, and of course, you see the college football teams benefit. You know, get some guys in there and play and do well for them. But, you know, we're, you know, as college, we're supposed to be in it for the, for the young men. And it's a lot of them getting damaged right now. So, and I'm not sure. Bob, another one for Marco? Yeah, Marco. I mean, arguably your best year was in 2000 with Washington, uh, the 12 sacks, the Pro Bowl. 
Um, and I noticed that the defensive coordinator at the time was Ray Rhodes, one of these guys that didn't really have the success as a head coach. Uh, to me, he was just a born defensive coordinator and very good at what he did. Uh, give us your thoughts about you, just about that. And we talk a lot, Mark, on the show about guys that are, that should strictly be coordinators. It's not an automatic uh, deal that you can become a great head coach just because you're a good coordinator. And guys, and a lot of teams are finding that out the hard way now. But talk about Ray Rhodes. I mean, I, Ray was definitely the, out of all of the coordinators I had, I had some good ones. You know, he stands out as probably the, the, the most, that, that motivated us, the defense the best. At least I took, he motivated me pretty well. Um, but, the, you know, he was very defensive line friendly. So, you know, it was a ideal scheme. Um, but you figure every team that he has a defensive coordinator, he always had a tough defensive line and they were pretty dominant. Um, you know, and then again, like you said, you know, his personality and how he wants to go about things may, you know, that might not fit that offense, you know, the, the entirety of the team, but he was awesome. Defensive coordinator, man. I wish I would have had the opportunity to play a few more seasons with him. And Marco, one last one. I mean, we—I think we talked in the past. I mean, you know, 14 years in the league, you rarely missed a game, if any. Um, you know, you had to be blessed genetically. Plus, you probably played hurt a lot. I mean, what do you uh, attribute the longevity to? Well, you know, he said you, know, you have to have some grace and blessings, man. You know. So much is out of your control, you know, so I was really blessed and fortunate in, in, in that regard. Um, and then I, like the young man that I coach, I tell him it's about the off season. You know, you, you know, I don't ever, I never took much time off. Um, you know, get down to the last game, whether it was the, you know, the, the last game of the season, regular season, or I didn't make it any Super Bowls, but I played in three different championship teams and had a lot of playoff, you know, appearances, but it didn't matter. You know, maybe take a good week, week and a half, and just kind of chill out for a minute. But then I was right back at it in some form or fashion. Never allowed myself to get out of shape at all. Um, and then steadily looked at, tried different ways to get myself in better condition. Tried, you know, I, you know, I got really into swimming, into, you know, um, in the latter part of my year, the swimming and the uh, yoga. Uh, I think really helped, you know, keep me flexible condition myself without running, you know what I mean, taking a load off my body, still strengthening with the swim. So all those things, I was strengthening my body, getting flexibility, getting, you know, cardiovascular stuff done, while even rehabbing my body with the exercises I was doing, you know what I mean? So um, so that thing's important, man, you know, and then you got to push yourself. You know, I think a lot of times we soft tissue injuries that you see because guys don't push themselves. You got to see how far you can, you know, how, 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 hard can you push this engine? You'd rather for it to blow with some time to heal and get back or then for it to blow in the middle of the season. You know what I'm saying? So we always would do, you know, make sure that uh, we hit the max several times. You know, how hard can you really go? You push as hard as you freaking can. And I think that helps sustain during the course of the, uh, the season. Marco, one more before we let you go and going back to your current role there at Georgia Tech. I saw you had the highest-rated defensive tackle class in tech history. Talk about some of the players that you've got that are returning and new ones coming in, and and the guys that you're looking forward to coaching next season. Yeah, well, you know, we're, you know, we're at Georgia Tech, you know, and in the state of Georgia, you find some really good defensive linemen, 
But, you know, we're competing with them dudes up in Athens for those guys. You know, so sometimes it's tough to win those battles. We were fortunate uh, this 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 recruiting season, man, that, you know, a big young man from up in New Jersey, really good football player, South defense, you know, young guy coming in. And then uh, another young man from Georgia that made up that defensive tackle class, both four-star players, uh, probably may even gain a fifth-star, you know, before they get here. But either way, you know, really highly rated young man. And then returning, you know, at the defensive end position, we got some, some players that have gotten a lot of experience. And, um, you know, it's probably the group with the most experience to be able to contribute a lot across that front, you know. So I think we'll be a lot better defensively, especially up front because of the, the not just, you know, we got some good vibrant size youth that's coming in along with uh, some, some veterans that will be able to, you know, that we're expecting to, to see the hell to carry the load. So. We should be pretty good. Marco, before we let you go, remind our listeners how they can stay up to date with you and follow you on social media. Well, I got my uh, Twitter account. You can find out everything, Georgia Tech, at Marco Coleman underscore GT. Well, Marco, we can't thank you enough for taking time out of your night to come back and be a part of the show. You're always so fantastic. You make this segment a lot of fun. We hope you'll come back and share more of your stories and insights with us again soon. Hey, I appreciate it, man. You guys be easy. Always great talking to you. Same to you, Marco. Take care, Marco. Take care. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. All right, guys. Later. Good night. See you, Marco. That's a great Marco Coleman. We've got our next guest, Tony Collins, hanging on the line with our five-star picks of the week. We're going to get to Tony right on the other side of this real quick station break. 